This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our reading from the life of Jesus today is found in the Gospel of John, in the 16th chapter. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he'll take what is mine and declare to you, and all that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Evidently, I've I've just learned this. uh, By the time I got to third grade, I already had somewhat of a reputation. I'm the oldest of five. Three of us all had the same third grade teacher, Mrs. Bowl. We all all went through the same class. A couple weeks ago on Mother's Day, when I got together, I learned from my sister, number three, that on her first day of the third grade, Mrs. Bowl said to her, I hope you're more like your sister than you are your brother. The phrase that I remember from Mrs. Bull was, well, aren't you full of questions today? <laughs> and I don't think that was a compliment, but I even then uh, could say, yes, I am full of questions. It's a Sunday after Pentecost. It's a Sunday between the two halves of the church year. It's what we call Trinity Sunday. Um, the truth is that I have never gotten very excited about preaching on Trinity Sunday. When we have had interns, I've scheduled them to preach on Trinity Sunday. I figured they were closer to understanding it than me. Last year, Pastor Buckenroth preached on Trinity Sunday. There's no escaping it this week. I've never preached a sermon defending the Trinity. I've never tried to explain the Trinity, and I don't intend to start doing that now. A number of years ago, I was at a conference, Albany Institute, in order to save some money, everybody there was clergy. Uh, you could take a roommate. That cut the cost in half, so I did. And my roommate was a Unitarian. And before we even got our bags unpacked in the room, he started asking questions. So exactly how does three become one? How does one become three? And I knew it was just going to be like a really long conference. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know, and I, frankly, I didn't care a lot about how to defend that. T- today, I would say very briefly, my faith is not mathematical. My faith is experiential, and it's a diverse experience. The Bible doesn't contain the word Trinity. The formal doctrine of a Trinitarian God does not appear in the church until a couple of hundred years after the resurrection of Jesus. It appears at about the same time the church is gathering to make creedal statements, creeds. Um, 
The church had grown so fast in so many places in the world and so many languages after that day of Pentecost that there was some need to come back to the center and say, what holds us together? What's the center of everything we do? And so they started to create statements about what we believe. And while the word Trinity, again, is never used in Scripture, Martin Luther himself once pointed out that the New Testament has a a number of paragraphs where the Holy Spirit is described concisely. And the number one place he lifted up was our second reading today. Uh, Paul in that little paragraph from, from Romans asserts that you and I and everyone, all of creation, have been given an an open and and positive standing before God, before the Creator, the Father and Mother of all creatures. That's, That's the first person of the Trinity. And that we have that standing because of the resurrection of Jesus. That's the second part of the Trinity. And that we know that or comprehend that or have a hunch about that because of the Holy Spirit's act in our life. And that's the third part of the Trinity. So, so like that's some kind of an explanation, but it's, it's just, it's just so intellectual. Um, so I want to try a little experiment today. This is what I like to do. I like you to, uh, if you would, if you'd relax for a moment, uh, if you're comfortable closing your eyes in public, that might be helpful. Um, But I I would like you to take a moment and picture the God that you know. How that God looks. Um, No judgment. There are lots of ways to picture God. So whatever image of God works for you, that's the one I want you to work with. So just take a moment and try to to visualize what that is, what that looks like for you. And then in that picture, picture yourself in the presence of that God. However you see God, and there you are. How do you feel right now? What's, what's your overall sense? What's your posture? Where are your hands? How, how close or how far away from that image are you? Paul says in this reading that it is possible for us to stand comfortably, safely, securely, in the presence of God. We don't have to hide. We don't have to grovel. We don't have to live in shame or judgment or fear. We get to lay down all of our defenses and just be in the presence of God. We are, in his words, justified. We are set right before God. We can be in the presence of God. And our right standing, our justification, is a total, total gift It has more to do with the nature of God than us. That's the first part of the Trinity. It's freely given to Christ through everyone. That's the second part of the Trinity. And it's a gift that we are aware of because of the Holy Spirit, the third part. Thanks for doing that. Um, That I pray, that, that closeness before God is the Trinity that we will celebrate today. Now, I've been here myself, and so you might ask something like this. So what? Does it really matter? Um, Is it really good news to you or to anyone else in this modern age that we are justified before God? And let's be honest, a whole lot of people right now would say, no, no, it doesn't matter. 
The whole concept of God doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to me. I, I know that it matters. Here's how. I've been a pastor for a long time. And um, one of the privileges of being a pastor is that I, I get to be in a whole lot of situations in people's lives. And oftentimes there are situations where there's a struggle or there's a trial or there's a fear or there's some kind of remorse or something. And a lot of times that struggle, that tension is about some sense of unworthiness or some sense of failure or some sense of something is just not right. And here's the thing. Those often go back to how you imagine God. They go back to how you see God. The reality of God is important in our lives. While things are going well, you know, we all get that. Sunrise, sunset, beautiful. Oh, I see God, isn't this fantastic? But as Paul says in this lesson, when things fall apart, and they do fall apart, all of us, they have moments when it fall apart. That's when it gets difficult. That's, that's when it sounds, as Brett said, an echo going on uh, for us. So how, how you imagine God makes a big difference during those moments of struggle. Here's why I do what I do. When that person hears that they are a beloved child of God. That's the first person of the Trinity. When that person hears that they're forgiven, there's nothing they could ever do to make God love them more or love them less. That's the second part of the Trinity. When that person hears that God's not done, God's still working right now in your life. That's the third part of the Trinity. That's the point. That's the point where it all comes together and the serious work of healing and spirituality start to happen. There's only five verses in that second reading today. And they contain two of the biggest words in scripture. And I I would argue the biggest words in life itself. The first word is peace. Paul says, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. That's inner healing. Um, It's peace with ourselves. It's with our families, with our families of origin, with our friends, with our siblings, and even with the world. And Paul writes that our being reconciled with God, our ability to stand before God in a justified relationship starts us on a journey of reconciliation with everything else that's broken. So God puts it in motion and we have that ability to grow from there. It's a catalyst to living. When your cup is filled by the knowledge of a loving and gracious God, you are then free to quit trying to fill it yourself. And once you're freed from that self-obsession, life begins to open up in different ways and in positive ways. And Paul says that that kind of life, because of who God is and what God has done and what God is going to do, that kind of life at peace with God and with yourself and with others and with the world is possible, not just when the sun rises and the sun sets but in every circumstance and even in the midst of suffering. Peace with God. And that leads to the second word, hope. Hope is the inexplainable conviction that no matter how bad things are right now, the future's not closed because God's still working. Hope grows out of an understanding of God that nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Listen again to how Paul said it, Jen read it so well. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So hopefully you're seeing what's happening here. We have these images of God 
And if those images of God are, are, are the truth filled with grace and love, it gives us peace and hope and reconciliation with others. So it matters what image you have of God. When you close your eyes, it matters what it is that you see. I once heard one of my favorite music authors, she's actually a professor at Luther Seminary, uh, Gracia Grindel. She wrote the great baptismal song, Thy Holy Wings. But she once described God this way to a whole bunch of academics. You can see their jaws dropping. She said, I think of God, and you expect it's this big, deep thing. She said, I think of God as a grandmother who carries my picture around in her purse. And everywhere she stops, she pulls it out and tells people, look how beautiful she is. It matters. It matters how you see God. Here's another great story. Ruby, a grandmother of 12, imagine that. The embodiment of patience. Um, one Christmas, she's got all of her children and all of her grandchildren at her house at the same time. About a month before that, after 25 years with the same carpet, she decided to give herself a gift for Christmas. She got all new carpeting, all new white carpeting. <laughs> all the gifts have been distributed, no issues. Even son-in-law's annual gift of homemade honey. Yeah. Eight-year-old Sheena spills hers. Before she knows she spilled it, she's already made a couple laps around the living room. And when she realizes what she's done, she's just distraught. She runs out to the kitchen and she grabs Grandma Ruby around the way. She says, Grandma, I spilled my honey all over your new carpet. And Grandma gets down on her knees and she says, Don't worry, sweetheart, we'll get you some more honey. It matters what image you have for God. It's my prayer today that you have an image of God that tells you the truth about God that let you come into the presence of God in ways that bring you peace and bring you hope. I get that the Trinity sounds dogmatic and doctrinaire and frankly even arrogant. Who can describe God? It's not possible. I get that. Um, it conjures up questions. Lots and lots and lots of questions. I definitely get that. But don't let that get in the way. There's a reason that we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's a reason that every time we gather, even in our contemporary worship, we gather in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's a reason that we make the sign of the cross. There's a reason that we remember a Trinitarian God. And this is the reason. Because when we close our eyes now or someday in the future, we know we are loved unconditionally by God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.